Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. We're kicking off a brand new series entitled The Next Right Thing. When you're not sure what to do, we're going to be talking about what does Jesus say to do in the the next right thing. Now, to kick off this morning in the series, let me ask you a question. How many of you, maybe we can do a show of hands, how many of you grew up going to church? How many of you here? Okay, over half for sure. Now, how many of you grew up, and let's be honest, trying to avoid church, okay? All right, just a few. I've been on both sides of that coin. I mean, if I can be really honest with you, and there have been a lot of people that uh, I have seen in terms of surveys across the U.S. when they're asked, why are you not a church person or why do you not attend church? Sometimes they're just like anti-church, anti-God. And the number one answer for that is a, probably the most destructive reputation that the church ever earned for itself, and that is that of being judgmental, okay? Judgmental. We're going to talk a little bit about that today this idea of being judgmental because a couple of thoughts come to mind, maybe to you, especially if you grew up going to church. One is, wait, didn't Jesus say something about not judging, right? And then, but also, aren't we supposed to point out wrongdoing in the world and in other people's lives, like to help people, um, people out of sinful behavior so that they can enjoy a relationship with God, like remove all the barriers, So there's this like weird tension that we feel at times, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a Christian today in this, in the world of like, okay, when are we supposed to say something? When are we not? And how are we supposed to go about that? Are we supposed to just keep it zipped and never say a thing? Or are we supposed to speak up all the time? Because that seems kind of obnoxious. You've seen that done and you're like, I don't think I want to go down that road. Um, what, What are you supposed to do when you're caught in this dilemma? In other words, what is the next right thing to do? And whether you've been on the receiving end or the giving end of judgmental attitude, you've been the judgmental one or the judged one, you know, I just want you to, say, I want you to know that this message today is for you. We're going to be talking about this issue. We're going to be talking about what Jesus has to say about this issue. And I'd like to talk about it or to introduce the idea by talking about a couple of chairs that I think that you are familiar with, that maybe you've even sat in, but you for sure are aware of. Here's the first one. The judgmental chair, all right? Now, I know no one really likes to admit this, although there's probably a few of you out there that are saying, Will, I can't help it. I sit in this chair a lot. I'm just kind of a, like, it's kind of like a God-given gift. I just <laughs> bring it wherever I go. I just kind of make a judgment call about everybody and everything, right? But it's true. We all have been in this chair. We all, I mean, it's, it's hard not to be sometimes, especially when it comes to issues about our kids, who's going to be around our kids, who's going to be in charge of our kids. It is hard. And I mean, if I can be honest, as a dad of three daughters, um, if I'm meeting a young man that wants to date one of my daughters, I'm going to make a judgment call about this guy, all right? 
And I think some of you would say, and you would be a bad dad if you didn't, all right? So what do we do with that? Like, that, that's hard to do, like, how, how to navigate that sometimes, right? And sometimes we make a judgment call about somebody, but we don't tell them. We don't say a thing to them. And if you're not a Christian, you know, it, we, we, we kind of use the words of, of, of gossip. Maybe later you share, like, oh, you know, do you know about so-and-so and what was going on there? If you're a Christian, you don't gossip. You just share it as a prayer request, right, <laughs> in your small group. Like, it's, you know, like, I'm, I'm not gossiping here, but did you see what she wore on Sunday? That girl needs prayer. Let's be praying for her. Well, we have all been in that chair, haven't we, at one time or another. So there's the judgmental chair. And then we have the other one, the judged chair. Well, you're on the receiving end of this little equation here. This is a horrible feeling. If you've never been in this chair, I bet you have. At some point in your life, you have been in this chair. But it is a horrible feeling to feel like someone has looked you up and down and they've made a judgment call about you based on your looks or based on your money or your lack of money or your tattoos or your lack of tattoos or the fact that you may be social drink, socially drinking with friends or you're not and you're maybe scared people are going to think you're a prude because you're the only one at lunch not having a, a beverage or something like that. You know, it, it constantly it happens. Or maybe you're in public and your kids are just acting like maniacs and you're thinking everybody thinks I'm a horrible parent right now you know and we've all been there we've all had that experience and the most horrible part about live, or being in this chair is that you don't get to rebuttal you don't get to defend yourself no one's going to come up and say would you please share your side of the story no nobody does that right like that's what I feel when I'm sitting in this chair is I'm, I'm thinking if, if I had a chance to tell you all the context around what's happening right here in my life, if I could have a chance to tell you my story, um, you would cut me some serious slack, okay? But, but since you're not, there's really nothing I can do about it then. So we have all sat in both of these chairs. And let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this might be arguably the most destructive part of the Christian faith when it is mishandled, misappropriated, misapplied in our life. This is why we need to talk about it. This is, it's so important because when, when somebody is sitting in this chair and they feel judged and they feel like they're not getting a fair say, they're not, they're not heard, they're not understood, they're not, none of that is happening. They don't ever look and turn to this person and say, oh my gosh, your condemnation and self-righteousness makes me want to be just like you. Nobody does that, do they? What do they do? They, they do exactly what you would probably do. They run harder in the other direction. And nothing good happens here. Nothing good happens here when this goes down. And when that happens, they, they're not motivated to, to change. Or even, um, even, even in the times where you may be sitting over here and you're like, well, Will, I know I'm right. I'm 100% right, and I've got a verse in my hand to back up my position. Guess what? They don't care. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest with you. They don't care, and they're going to run in the other direction at times. But there is an approach. There is a way in which Jesus gives us a secret that has been lost on our culture, our world especially in the areas of politics and culture and religion, that if we would reinstate it 
I think it would be insanely successful if we would say, let's take the words of Jesus seriously. Because Jesus is about to show us today what's the next right thing. What is that next right thing that we ought to be doing that we're not doing many times? It's not because you're trying to be vindictive or facetious or something. You're, you just don't know. We don't know many times. So here's what I want to do. I want to turn our attention to this incredible sermon of Jesus. And I hope as we go through this, you will begin to have this aha that Jesus not only was a brilliant teacher, he was the single greatest genius on the human condition who has ever lived. The insight that he gives us, you won't find anywhere else. Or if you do find somewhere else, they're quoting him. They're, they're just literally doing a bank shot off of what Jesus already taught, okay? But he's going to talk about this issue of judgmentalness and judgment. And what's interesting is that we're going to find this in the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, which to give you a quick background, Matthew was a Jewish tax collector for the Roman government, which means he was vehemently hated by his countrymen. All of his community hated on him. So if there was anybody in the New Testament that sat in this chair a lot, it was him. So when Jesus started talking about this, his ears perked up and he's like, I'm writing all this down because I'm sure in future generations people will need this information. So here's how Jesus starts. This is chapter 7 of Matthew, starting with verse 1. And I'd like us to read the highlighted word together. All right, you ready? You're already looking at it, aren't you? Here we go. Do not judge. Do not judge. So what in the world does Jesus mean by judge? That word in the original Greek text in its Greek context, has two definitions, two meanings, just like it does in the American English definition today. Let's talk about what they are. Here's the first definition. The first definition is discerning between things, to look at the evidence and make a judgment call about something. Let's say you're trying to buy a new truck, right? A new, new truck, and you're excited, you've been looking at used trucks because you're trying to find a good deal, and you got it distilled down, boiled down to two trucks, a blue one and a red one, okay? Now, probably most people don't do that, but they probably both be blue or something like that. But you got two trucks, one's red, one's blue, and you get a master mechanic friend of yours to say, hey, would you mind examining these trucks? You take a look at them, give them a once-over, and then let me know which one you think would be the best deal, the best financial investment. I want to get the most out of this truck. He looks them over and he says, I would choose the blue one over the red one. Now, you wouldn't look at your friend then and say, you are so judgmental. I can't believe you would be so hating on that red truck over there. No, he, he wasn't being like that. He was literally just looking at the evidence. He was looking at the facts of the current situation of what was presented to him and he was just literally stating what the reality was about the trucks okay clearly jesus is not warning against having discernment if jesus here was warning against discernment he would be negating contradicting most of what he taught because jesus was constantly teaching us good from evil dark from light 
the kingdom of heaven from the kingdom of earth. He's showing us there is a narrow path that God wants us on opposed to the wide path uh, that, the, that the rest of the world is on. He's, he's helping us to see what you really deep down want and you crave in your soul. I'm trying to show you how to get there. I'm trying to show you how to live this way. So he is embracing. He's teaching us how to embrace discernment. Now here's the, the other definition. Number two. It is to sit in a place of superiority to condemn. I am better than you. And frankly, you kind of disgust me, you and all the people like you, all right? We don't say that out loud. We wouldn't say it at church, but we act like it. When you look at our online comments, you would think that person hates the people they're talking to, right? They don't care. They don't love them, for sure. Why, you wouldn't talk to somebody you love like that. But it comes across that way. This is the judgment that Jesus is warning against. It is this devaluing of persons. And this is exactly, I mean precisely, what Jesus' enemies did to him that led to the cross. And he's saying, this is not for you. It is not for my people. It is not for my disciples. You are not to do this. And you are to train your heart away from this. Don't let this become the thing that you are known for. Don't let this become your reputation in the world, the culture around you. I don't care if it is an election year. You hear me? We, we need to, we, we have to take what Jesus says seriously. It is so important. He's teaching us the way of the kingdom of God, not the way of this world. All right? So he says, do not judge, let's keep going, do not judge, or you too will be, let's say it together, or will be judged, right? For in the same way, so the exact same way that you're about to judge or you are judging other people, he says, the way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure, the, the, the same standard that you are applying to other people that you use will be measured to you. In other words, what Jesus here is doing, and this gets missed a lot of times, he is applying the golden rule to judging. He says, here's what I'd like for you to learn how to do. And this takes, some, it's a, it takes practice, just like everything else. It takes practice. I want you to judge unto others as you would have them judge unto you. I want you to, I want you to think about, and this is like much deeper than me, many people, especially Christians sometimes, are willing to think. But to judge others the way you would want others and God himself to judge you. This is what Jesus is getting at here. So if you knew it was all coming back on you, ladies and gentlemen, how would you judge? How would you like to be judged? I know how I'd like to be judged, taking my whole story into consideration so that you really understand where I'm at, what was going on, the difficulties I've been through, the setbacks, the frustrations, the temptations I faced. I'd want to tell you about my childhood and the difficulty and the struggle and, and, and the ugly divorce that I, my parents went through and living in South Austin in, in, in the neighborhood that I lived in where in my junior high at 12 years old, I'm seeing drug use and my little innocent eyes are going, oh my gosh, I can't believe what's happening around me. So many temptations 
So many things. And I just go on and on and tell you story after story to the point where you would say, wow, well, it is a wonder you turned out as good as you did. Right? Like that, you would be at that place. And I would say, yes, I agree with you. Can we move on to that next slide, please? Boom, there it is. All right. You would be saying that, and I would agree with you. But this is what I want you to, to keep in mind before we judge. And, and that's how I would want to be judged. And I bet that's how you would want to be, to be judged. How about you? There's probably more to the story of the people that we want to quickly put into a category. We want to quickly say, I already know. I got them figured out. I already know all about them. And we want to just case closed. Maybe it's like Jesus is saying, maybe there's more to their story that you don't understand. And it might be worth you showing enough love and compassion to get to know people a little bit more before you pass judgment on them. And let me quickly say here, though, simply understanding someone's story doesn't mean that you now agree with their sinful choices. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's certainly not what I am saying here. But it is a compassionate thing to do. If you're really wanting to help people, you've got to take the time to, to get to know them a little bit. It helps us to keep from, when we, when we take the time to say, maybe I don't know that whole situation yet, right? It's not me saying, oh, the sin isn't a sin. It's just saying, maybe their hurt and their situation and the complication of all of that is deeper, broader, bigger than I have thought about yet, right? This, doing that, that exercise keeps us from quickly crossing over from discernment into condemnation, we're better than, we're better than, we're looking down our nose at. And sadly today, most people, not just Christians, everybody, many people are quick to condemn those who hold different religious beliefs, cultural beliefs, and political beliefs. We quickly shove them in a category. And what's sad is that this happens even to Christians that are quick to shove people into a category of they are our enemy. And they forget that Jesus said we're even to love our enemies and we're to love them like our neighbors. And that stops happening. And Jesus is saying, the way that you judge will be judged back to you. So just let the weight of that rest on your heart for just a minute. And then Jesus turns to, you know, his background was carpentry. This is what he grew up doing with his father as we know in Nazareth, right? In verse three, he tells us this. Why do you, he's asking a why question. He wants us to think deeply about this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the, let's say together, the plank in your own eye? This is a metaphor for something in your life you're unwilling to face, deal with, repent of, struggle through, humble yourself enough to ask for God's grace and forgiveness and mercy to deal with. He's, he's asking, what is it about that speck in their eye that makes you feel the need to point it out? Why does it bother you so much in them? I'm not saying it's not wrong. I'm not saying it's not sin. But we need to ask the why question. Why, why has that got you so fired up? I got to get out there and, and point out wrongdoing and sinfulness. Okay, all right. Not saying that that's wrong, 
but there's something that needs to happen first. Jesus is saying, I want you to ask a deeper question first. Why does that bother you so much? To put it another way, what's behind the motivation to confront them? Is it care, compassion, love for the person? Or is it, let's be honest, superiority, condemnation, those kind of people disgust me. And, and it crept in and you didn't even know it. Like you just feel that way towards them. You can't even, oh, I can't even, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to be around them. They're so just disgusting to me. And that has happened to our nation politically in, in so many ways, the subdiv- subdividing of our society where people can't even speak to one another anymore. That should not be representative of the people of God. That should not be representative of the disciples of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, I want you to ask deeper questions here. What is it on the inside of you that gets all stirred up when you see the sin in someone else's life? Verse 4, he says, And and he's taking it a little deeper now. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a, say it together, plank in your own eye? Okay, now think about this for a minute. You got Mr. Plank Eye sitting here like this. And I have to believe, just like you, when Jesus is telling this story, his audience is snickering. They're laughing. Like this is Jesus doing comedy right here. This is funny, all right? This is funny. He's saying, okay, so there's this Mr. Plank Eye is saying, oh, hey, come here. Uh, this is so embarrassing for you because you're going to be so thankful that I did this. I see a speck in your eye. You're going to be like indebted to me forever, okay? So you're going to have to kind of come up to me on this side because the plank kind of gets in the way. But anyway, come here. I'm going I'm to get that speck out of your eye. Come on up here. Come on up. Like, yeah, he's going, how ridiculous would that be? How ridiculous would that be? Wouldn't that make the other person say, you're kind of obnoxious and repulsive to me? He's like, bingo. That, that, that's exactly, you're, man, you're, yeah, A plus, you're getting it right now. When you're all fired up with verse in hand, ready to defend your, your, your position, Jesus is saying, I want you to pause, take a beat, pump the brakes, back up, look in the mirror and ask, God, pray this, what plank Am I avoiding in my own life? What am I missing here? I'm not willing to deal with. Because I think for most people, even Christians would say, oh Jesus, I'm fine. They're the ones who need help. I don't need to deal with my plank. I already have perfect clarity about the, what they need to change. I, I just if everybody listen to me, we can figure all this out and I can fix all the problems right away. I got, I got great clarity. You know, I got the one good eye, you know, right? And Jesus would say, no, you don't. I know you think you do, but you do not. You are blinded, in other words. You are blinded by the plank of your own self-righteousness. It's something we have to own in ourselves. It, it wells up in me, too. It wells up in all of us. It does. So I know the pushback that I've probably... Some of you are thinking, well, okay, well, so we're just supposed to, uh, you know, turn a blind eye, <laughs> no pun intended, turn a blind eye to the evil of the world, right? Is that, is that what we're supposed to do? Absolutely not. But our first response should be to ask God what he wants to change in us. What is the metaphorical plank that we need to confess, repent of, and deal with before God? 
And if we're not willing to do that, ladies and gentlemen, then Jesus has a name for us. Verse 5, here's what he says. You, let's say it together, you. I know, we, we didn't want to say that one quite as loud. All right, one more time. You. <laughs> right. And we talked about this word before. This, this is a word where Jesus uses it in a brand new way. It had been around in the first century, but Jesus applies it in a way that no one had ever applied it before. It is literally a word who means a stage actor, somebody under a mask who's pretending, right? And he's the first one to use it in a moral, morally dark way. You are deceiving people. You are acting like you got it all together, but you don't have it all together. You are acting like you're superior, but let's be honest, you are not. You're acting like you're sinless, but you are not. And he's saying, you're a hypocrite. And here Jesus is saying, I, he's, he's saying to us, I'm not denying that there's, a, that there's sin in their life. I'm not denying that there's a speck in their eye that needs to be dealt with. I'm just saying that let your first response be to be to look in the mirror and examine yourself and repent of the stuff in you first. But if you're too insecure, too self-righteous, too prideful to do that, then you are a hypocrite. And here's the irony of Jesus calling us this. It mirrors what we're seeing in the culture today. Check this out. The reason our culture doesn't want to hear what we have to say about the speck in their eye, and I'm talking to all of us Christians, followers of Jesus, the reason they don't want to hear about the speck in their eye, what we have to say, is that they see an unwillingness in us to deal with the plank in our own eye. A lack of humility. A lack of honesty. Therefore, they call us exactly what Jesus did. Hypocrites. It happens between parents and children. It happens between husbands and wives. It happens between bosses and their employees. It happens between friends. It happens in nearly every arena of life. And it is a horrible feeling when you're over here in this judged chair. If we can move on to that next slide in the back. And your, and your attempt to confront other people and, and, and to, to point out the situation when you're sitting over here and you're pointing out the sin in this person's life, we tend to make it worse because they look back at us and say, well, you're no better than me. Why should I listen to you? Look at the plank in your own eye. Mom, dad, brother, sister, Friend, I can't hear you because you lack the same self-awareness that you accuse me of. And until you're willing to deal with that, I'm not going to budge. If anything, I'm going to run in the other direction. And at the end of the day, we make it worse because we do drive them further away, further into their sinful behavior, right? And then what happens to this person over here? They're going, oh, see... That's just what people do, right? And it, this person drives deeper into their self-righteousness, and at the end of the day, nothing good happens. This is why Jesus says, here's the next right thing you should do. Verse 5, first, first, 
take the plank out of your own eye. Again, ladies and gentlemen, he's not saying don't deal with the speck. He's just saying first, before you do that, before you get all fired up and go confront somebody, start with some self-repentance, some some self-reflection, self-awareness before God and get that plank out of your own eye and be willing to confess it and say, God, I need help with this. Look in the mirror. Repent of the... the condemnation many times that you didn't even know was there towards these people, towards this person in particular, and be willing to confess that before God. God, I'm not better than them. Yeah, we're all people who are saved by grace through faith only. Like that is, there is no other path to salvation. Nobody earns it. Nobody gets a special gold star from God and gets a shortcut in the line. Nope, that doesn't work. We all come the same way. So we need to stop thinking somehow we're better than, right? And before you confront, look in the mirror, repent the condemnation towards others. Then, here's what's beautiful, then that condemnation, that self-righteousness, that superiority will begin to drift away and you'll be able to see clearly. Like all of a sudden, love will help guide your sight. You will have clarity because you have just come off of God's mercy, his forgiveness, and his freedom from sin. And in that place, from coming from that place, you are in the very best position to speak to another person about something that's going on in their life. You know, in other words, like... Jesus is saying, I'm not saying there isn't a problem here. As a matter of fact, Jesus would say, I'm more concerned about their speck and their sin than you are. I'm more concerned about your family member's sin than you are. But until you humble yourself and you're honest about your own life, you're not ready to confront anyone. So save all of your conversation. Save your online comments. Don't feel like you need to get online and you know, put all your little comments on everything and judge, 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 and condemnation. I promise you, you're driving them further away. You're not winning anybody over in that way, right? This is so powerful, so important. And when we come over here, oh, pardon me, let's finish this verse five. And when you see clearly, pardon me, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It is once you repent, it's once you remove the plank that you will have clarity, the clarity that you really need coming from that place of humility, repentance, God's mercy, so powerful. And this is the place in which we have to come. We have to be willing to say, Yes, God, use us from this place. Now, if you're over here in the judged chair today, let me just say, I know there's a tendency in you to say, stop judging, stop judging, stop judging. But let me just say, maybe, just maybe, one of the people that are trying to talk to you, they have been where you are. They have already been down the path that you're about to go down, and they have experienced the pain and the suffering, the heartbreak, the difficulty, and they love you too much just to sit by and say, oh, well, we're just going to let it happen. They want to say something. But if you're not careful, even sitting in this chair, your own plank of your own plank of condemnation towards them will blind you to God's provision of help to get you off the collision course you're on. 
And you might be sitting here right now. And, 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 and Jesus is trying to help you to see, don't let your self-righteousness, when you look at them, blind you from what I'm trying to show you right now. Jesus says also not for this person in the judge chair not to judge also, but to first take an honest look in the mirror and be willing to change, be willing to repent and make their heart right. You see, we can help each other. If we come with the right heart and we receive with the right heart, we actually can help each other remove the specks from each other's eyes and we'll all be able to see so much better. Jesus is trying to create a world, at least among his people, where wisdom of God gets pervasively spread and people are open and they are loving each other and they're listening they're not running from sin they're calling sin sin but they're doing it with compassion and love and kindness and when they do that people are so much more open to listen right and when you're sitting in this judge chair judgment chair let me just say the, the best conversation, way that you could have a conversation, because some of you parents need to have a conversation with kids, or you've got somebody in your life that's sitting over here, they feel judged, and you need to talk to them about something in their life. And let me just say, if you will start from a place of humility, compassion, mercy, because you have received it from God, and you don't have to go into all the nitty-gritty details, but to be honest, to say, I have a plank I have been struggling with for years. I have something that's not right. I have something that I, only through the grace of God am I able to, to get this right. And, and, and you're humble about it. You, you're, you, 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 you get honest about it. And they know, they see you owning your plank, right? And you come to them in love and you tell them, I love you. And because of my love and my genuine compassion for you, I want to have a conversation with you. And let me just say, if this person is a young adult or an adult, in any of the form, they're, they're your child, they're an adult, they're your friend, they're your spouse, they're whoever, I would encourage you to begin with a question. Um, and, and that question would be something like this, do I have your permission to share something with you that I think could help your life? All right? And I have used that question for many years, and I have, I mean, very rarely, like maybe only one or two times out of many, 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 many times, maybe like 95% of the time, I'm gonna get a yes. So I'm just telling you, I've road tested this question a lot. Is it okay? Do I have your permission to share something with you I think could be helpful to your life? And if they give you permission, then you humbly, with love and compassion, share with them from a place of love. I love you, but there's something I need to talk to you about because I really believe it could hurt you in the long run if you don't deal with it. And you talk to them. I promise you, they may still turn and run. They may still say thank you, but no thank you, right? But at least you have approached them the way Jesus said, and you have the very best chance of reconciliation, the very best chance for them to turn back to God that is available to you here on this planet, all right? And so I just want to encourage you, would you be willing to do that? And today, I'd like to ask you to pray with me as we get ready to close out our service. And this is our application prayer. It's just simply saying, Jesus, before I commit a comment on or confront anybody's sin, help me to remove the plank of self-righteousness and condemnation that is in me. Please, help me judge unto others as you judge unto me. 
And God, how does he judge us? Through Jesus, he offers us grace and forgiveness that we do not deserve. And in Romans 8, 1, he tells us there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not because we don't deserve it. We do deserve it because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And we need to come with that same kind of compassion as we talk to other people so that they might be able to say yes to him as well. And I just want to encourage you, those of you who have never said yes to Jesus, maybe today is the day that you need to say yes to him. And right now, I want to lead us in a prayer. And in this prayer time, I want to ask you to get really honest about which chair you may be in. And you might be in different relationships in both chairs. But would you be willing to surrender that to God right now as we pray? Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. Thank you, God, for the wisdom of how to deal with this issue how to know what is the right, the next right thing to do. God, maybe for the first time, we're starting to see the illuminated path forward. Here's what I need to do. I need to get alone before God, pause in the mirror, and pray about the, the plank in your own eye. If that is you today, God's saying, I want you to confess your plank to me right now. And you would be willing to say yes I'd love to pray for you right now. Would you just lift your hand and saying, God is asking me to deal with a plank. Thank you. My hand's on the floor. I see some up in the balcony. Anybody else? God, thank you for the honesty, the openness. God, yes, right now. We say yes. We confess this to you. Would you forgive us? We pray for your forgiveness and your mercy. Help us to deal with this, to repent of it, turn from it, God. Help us to be honest where that plank has been something we have been, we've beaten other people with it. We've hurt them. It has damaged relationships. We need to ask for forgiveness now. Help us to have the courage now to do the next right thing and to go and have some hard conversations where we have driven people away. We have made them feel condemned, judged in a judgmental self-righteous way not in a discerning way right now God we ask you would help us to take the steps forward to obey what you've told us to first take the plank out of our own eye and then help our brother and sister for those of you who are in the judged seat right now would you be so bold and be so honest as to say I have a plank in my eye too and I need to remove it would you write where you sit? Would you say, yes, Lord, I have felt the sting of being judged by others, but I'm going to let all that go now. I don't want to live as a prisoner to other people's incorrect judgment of me. I, I Right now, Lord, I forgive. I, I release it. I give it to you right now. And I ask you to help me to remove the plank out of my own eye of self-righteousness that I have accumulated over the years thinking that I'm better than those who have looked down their nose at me. And would you be open to say, God, and I'll reconsider your truth for my life and not continue to be blinded by the plank in my own eye. 
right now, if you know God is telling you there's an area of your life that people have tried to warn you and you've said, no, 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 stop judging me, but now you're realizing, maybe I need to listen, maybe I need to slow down, pump the brakes, and hear what God is trying to say to me, even through people that you may not like very much, but it doesn't make what they're saying less true. Would you be willing right now, just lift your hand, you're saying, I'm, I'm listening to God right now. I'm listening to what he's saying. I'm turning my life around. Anybody here? God bless you, ma'am. I see you over there. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Help us to humble ourselves and to hear what other people are saying. And if there's anyone here that would honestly say, I don't have a relationship with God, but I want to begin one today. My soul, my heart aches, yearns for God. And you know you've tried everything. You've been down every road, relationships and success and different things. You've tried and tried and tried, but it is not working. And you feel bankrupt emotionally and spiritually over and over. Would you just right where you sit say, God, I want you. I want you, God. Please come into my life. Jesus, forgive my sin. I'm trusting that when you died on the cross, that was for me to pay the penalty for my sin so that I can be forgiven. When you resurrected from the dead, that was to conquer my death, my unforgiveness, the hell that I am destined for without you. Forgive my sin and be the Lord of my life. Would you just say that to him right now? Forgive my sin, be the Lord of my life. And all across this room right now, if you're asking Jesus to be your forgiver of sin and the Lord of your life, would you just lift your hand right now? I'd love to pray for you. Anybody here? God bless you right there, sir. Thank you. God bless you, ma'am, right there. Back here on the back row, on the front, right here. Anybody else for the first time? God bless you right here, back over here. Thank you. God bless you over here by the wall in the balcony. Anybody? Father, thank you, little one right there. God bless you, sweetheart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for transforming lives. Thank you for helping us to see the next right thing. And God, as we make our way through Matthew chapter 7, may you just let this continue to happen over and over, that your divine wisdom would illuminate for us the path forward where we are stuck in our culture, in our world, politically, emotionally, culturally, religiously sometimes. Thank you that you have come to set us free. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name that we pray, would everybody say amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll continue our series, The Next Right Thing, next Sunday. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.